0: Hey, all my IFG friends, this is Steve. I want to say you know, if you like movies like I do, we've started a new podcast called Happy Hour Flicks. Uh, You can find it anywhere podcasts are found. It's all about nostalgic movies that we love, and we bring on special guests each episode, and we also have specialty cocktails made for each one, too. So it really is an hour of a good time talking about movies that we love, like Gremlins, uh, Seven, uh, Free Willy. Uh, We talk about The Last Starfighter also. I mean, we kind of run the gamut across all the decades and really have a great time so i wanted to invite you to come over and join us at happy hour flicks anywhere podcasts are found
1: this is the, the independent,
0: independent 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 filmmakers guide from framework productions
2: framework framework
0: productions hi and welcome back to the independent filmmakers guide mini episode i'm your host Stephen pierce Today, I'm talking with a producer, writer, and director that is well-known and highly respected in the horror film community. One of her most recent features is the punk slasher horror film, The Ranger. And if you haven't heard our full episode on The Ranger, go check it out now. So now, our not-so-very-scary guest, Jen Wexler. Jen, how's it going?
1: Good. How are you doing?
0: Great. So how did you get involved in horror in the first place?
1: So I've always been a fan of scary stuff. Uh when I was a kid, I used to be the girl that wanted to like tell ghost stories at sleepover parties and a, you know, sleepaway camp and um I watched a lot of Are You Afraid of the Dark as a child. Uh and then when I was, you know, my like 10 years old, getting into my teenage years, 11, 12, I became obsessed with the late 90s teen slasher craze of Scream and I know we did last summer and Urban Legend and all those movies um and then that like really opened horror up to me and as a teenager it was just like horror movies were like a best friend I started going back and teaching myself about the genre and learning what references you know what movie Scream was referencing and everything um and then in college I got an internship at a company called FearNet, which was a horror TV channel. Uh, and that turned into my first job. Um, I moved to California, they were moving to, from affiliate to LA, and I did the same thing. And uh, I started working there as a marketing coordinator. And I was there for four years, and I really learned about horror as an industry and as a business. And I learned a lot about marketing too um and I met filmmakers who were coming in for meetings and everything and uh I realized there that I wanted to, like I was like this is the best job ever I want to keep working in this world and then I um uh, I came across a company while I was there Glass Eye Picks who was making all these awesome horror indie horror movies uh I was you know, working at Furinet around the same time that The House of the Devil came out, and they also made The Innkeepers, and I Sell the Dead, and Bitter Feast, and Stakeland. And I was just like, oh my God, who is this company? So um, I moved to New York. I got an introduction to Larry Fessenden, who's an uh, actor, director, writer, producer, and the head of the company. Uh, and I told him and another producer who worked there, Peter Polk, that I really wanted to learn how to make horror movies, and they kind of took me under their wing.
0: Wow. That's a great, I mean, getting connected with some of you, you moved from LA to New York, but strictly because to find that, find that job, no,
1: I was moving to New York anyway, but I had a list of like, okay, here are all the horror companies in New York.
0: That Got, yeah. You targeted places that you, that you felt were good for you, that you had a passion for that felt like shared, like a like identity. Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly a kind of similar thing to how I got in started in the first place when I first my first job was actually in radio. And that's exactly what I did is like, you know, it was just like, hey, I think I'd be good at this. I want to do this and kind of almost pestered them till they gave me a job.
1: So you found the place that you wanted to Yeah, at least the place
0: at that point, yeah, that I wanted to target. Now I'm from the middle of, you know, bumfuck nowhere, Poplar Bluff, Missouri. So there weren't many options as far as like other radio stations. There were like, you know, there's just the one, but I thought it was so cool to like write and, you know, talk on the radio. I thought that'd be so cool.
1: Yeah. Well, it's clearly it's working for you. I don't know if it's all. It.
0: Well, you know, <laughs> this is the first time I've ever done stuff like this from my kitchen. So it's a little bit uh, it's I can't tell if I'm going forwards or backwards, but we're moving just the same. <laughs> <laughs> so you you got in, you start working at Glass Eye Picks and you started producing right away or how did you start there?
1: No, So I had this background in marketing, so that's kind of how I first started I was like, I'll do all your social media, I'll run your Facebook, I'll run your Instagram, just teach me how to make stuff. And they were like, Yeah, cool. So I started doing marketing stuff for them first. And then um uh they had these short form things that they needed to produce. So I was like, Yeah, I'll do it. Teach me how to do it, I'll do it. Um and you know, you really learn filmmaking by doing it. You know, you learn it on the job of doing it. So uh the first thing I produced was Larry Fessenden's segment of ABCs of Death 2. Um, and that was we shot it in the middle of Manhattan. That was kind of a fast boot camp of like, okay, here's here's how you do these things. Um, and then I produced two segments for uh Chiller, which used to be a horror TV channel, um, for an anthology they were doing. Um, and it was nice because I had this safety net. I had Larry to turn to if I ran into anything. I had Peter to turn to. Um, but I was like the, you know, lead producer on these projects. So I was really just getting in there and trying to learn everything. Uh, and then I started thinking about features. And then I, um, I ended up making uh, the movie Most Beautiful Island as my first feature as a producer.
0: So how many films did you end up producing with Glass Eye?
1: I did like six.
0: So that's a pretty, pretty great resume before moving into your directing, like dra- debut with the Ranger, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Did that producing like, and how did it influence you as a director?
1: Well, I really wanted to fully understand how to make a movie before I was ready to direct. So I made most beautiful Island and darling kind of back to back. um, and it was after Darling that I started uh, – I called my co-writer Jocko, and I was like, okay, I want to start prepping my my directorial feature. Because at that point, I, started, I was like, okay, I've done this once. I know how to make a movie. I know all the steps from, you know, raising money through delivering the movie to your distributor. Um, and then – so then we were writing, but I was still – it didn't happen right away. It took time before the ranger got moving. So then I produced a couple more movies in the meantime. Uh, And that was, I mean, then I, you know, the more you do it, the more you learn to hone in your brain hones in on what's important. Like what are the differences between directing and producing somebody totally new to it or somebody who's produced and directed their own shorts because you're doing everything. Maybe you don't understand exactly what the distinction is. So it was, Really learning what the what is the director's role, and I was had the opportunity to watch all of these directors and watch how they were interacting with different department heads and how they were approaching different problems. And because I was the producer, in some cases I was like the lead producer on these things. You know, I was with the director solving the problems, facing the problems together, solving them together, supporting the director, supporting the director's vision, trying to figure out, Okay, we need this to get this shot. What do I need to do logistically to make sure that we can get this shot for the movie? Um, And that was all a complete education. I went to film school, but it was focused mostly in screenwriting. And so I really learned how to make movies by doing them with glass apex.
0: absolutely Did you find it any time difficult with the ranger where you're trying to play the producer instead of the director
1: i started at first but i had great producers on that and they were like jen please stop please focus <laughs> on directing <laughs> Put your brain over here, we got this. So it was nice. Like in pre production, I very quickly was able to move uh, to just focus on directing.
0: So, did you have any moments where you were trying to, how did you find your transition into working with actors?
1: Um, It it was a complete joy and so much fun. Uh, Producers, you know, especially when you're doing, when you're early on doing it, I was so focused on contractual stuff. I was so focused on the logistical stuff, making sure everybody was happy in terms of like that logistical stuff that I did not get on the movies I produced. I did not take part in that, nor should I have that relationship, that creative relationship. Um, So when I finally got to as a director, it was just like the most lovely, wonderful thing. And to prepare for it, I took acting classes because I really wanted to understand, okay, well, what What is it like to be an actor? What is it like to have people looking at you? To have to delve into this emotion while a bunch of people are just like waiting for the clock to run out so they can go home. Like what does that feel like? So I really wanted to put myself in that place. So I took these acting classes and it was totally helpful. And I have so much respect for actors. And I think that they're completely amazing humans that can tap into this emotional energy in the middle of so much going on. And that's a true magical power. So um, yeah, getting to work with Jeremy Holm as the Ranger and Chloe Levine and the rest of our cast, like they were the best team and I had a blast.
0: Yeah. It's amazing how resilient actors are and have to be. I mean, they just take a constant beating even on a good day. You know what I mean? You're, you're a good day for an actor sometimes is living through the worst day of someone else's life. Yeah. You know? Over and over again. So, and that that's a very, very smart thing to like take acting classes. Because I've known a lot of directors and DPs and crew people that don't really have any appreciation for that. And that, you know, that vulnerability and that challenge so that you can get to a moment where it's, it, it does sometimes come down to checking ego with people on set, right? Like where it's like, you know, stop tweaking the light. It's light. It's time to shoot. You know what I mean? Like, we're ready. We got to go. Like, yeah. Um, For
1: for me, the whole thing, like what I love to do is create a language with the actors. Like we each, I have my own language with each individual actor. And we have our own understanding, our own bonding over the material. Um, And we've taken the time in pre-production to create this character together. Uh, As the director, I see, I, I have an overall understanding of the whole movie and the themes of the movie and the the things I'm trying to hit and the things I want to really rise. I have that overall thing, but I can't get into the interior of the character there. The interior world of the character is like a a ocean. It's like an entire sea. So I want to create, I want to have the initial conversations with the actor. So we're both like diving into the same sea together, but they're the ones that have to, go on that dive, you know? Yeah,
0: no, absolutely. And they have to fill it the whole way. So did you start, was The Ranger your first directing thing or did you do short films before that?
1: I did shorts before Glass Eye Picks. So before I produced anything, I had made my own little three minute long horror shorts. And um, I did a couple of them and they were really fun, but I really didn't know what I was doing. And I was just putting things together, trying to figure it out. Um, So when I shot the ranger it'd been a minute since i directed shorts i directed a teaser for the ranger uh so that kind of like got me back into it a little bit but directing the ranger was my first directing thing in a long time
0: so whenever you you shot the teaser to help with financing and get the the whole thing together right mm-hmm. like how did the the how did you get the the resources together to make the ranger in the first place
1: so i had a script that Jocko, my co-writer Jocko and I had written. Um, I started putting together different materials. I started to create a lookbook. I showed it to Larry Fessenden again, who I was working for at Glass Eye and he was incredibly supportive. Um, but financing is its own thing. So, uh, pretty much had to you know I started showing it to different producers that I knew, different finance people. What I found was was really helpful is I started applying to things. It was my first feature, I'm a female director, so there's different grants and stuff available to me. So I got into this thing called the Kickstart Diversity Program. And it wasn't a grant or anything, but it was uh they offered discounts and stuff and they offer like s- tools to get you in the right mindset and stuff to go out and make your movies. So Um, that was though, for me, uh, the first stepping stone, because it was like, look, this is an organization that believes in the movie. So you put that in your lookbook. Then I submitted to the Frontiers Market at the Fantasia Film Festival, which I talked about on uh, another chat with you guys. Um, But it's this great program where you pitch your concept to a room full of industry people and investors. And, and that went, incredibly well. You have all these like one-on-one speed dating meetings over the course of the weekend. So we met a ton of people. A lot of people became aware of the project. We got press written up about it. So all these things, you know, they're, they're all things that then you're like, look, all these things believe we're part of this program and we're part of this program. So when you're talking to producers and investors, look at all the people that believe in us and you have to really start building your team that way. And you have to start putting your team together. I mean, the thing that investors and producers want to know is that you're confident and you have a confident vision. Um, you know what the movie is and you are the person to tell it and you know how to tell it and, uh, and you know how to make it. And you prove those things by saying, this is who our DP is. And this is what else our DP has done. This is, you know, if you have any producers attached, in which case, in this case, I had Larry Fessenden as a producer. This is, you know, Larry Fessenden, Glass Eye Picks. They're a producer on the film. So you're providing safety uh, for the person who's thinking about giving you money. So that's what we did. And ultimately, we raised our financing.
0: (laughs) Generally, was this all privately funded? Like, was it all private equity, basically? Yes. And so you ended up owing that money back to investors for a profit share on the backside of the film. Yeah. Got it. You guys are, you've made your money back through a release of Shudder and through TVOD, I assume, like a combination of that. Was there anything else that helped contribute to making that whole?
1: Um, tax credits help. A tax credit, like you can either use your tax credit towards production. Right. Did you
0: use it as finishing fund or as a revenue stream?
1: Revenue stream.
0: That's smart. That's really smart. Yeah. So, and you shot upstate New York, right?
1: We shot a little bit in New York City and then the rest upstate New York.
0: So yeah, that's like a 40% tax credit, 35% tax credit. I can't remember. I think it's 35 right now.
1: Uh, It's 30%, especially, well, it just changed because- It was just a change in the tax credit. Now it's 25 if you shoot in New York City and 35 if you shoot in certain places, but it's only on labor. We can have a whole conversation about tax credit stuff if you want.
0: Totally. I'm all into it. I mean, I think it's very interesting because it's very hard to understand. So I mean, kind of what we were just saying, in case somebody doesn't understand, is you can take two approaches that I understand with tax credits. One, you can view them as we're gonna raise X amount of money, 75% usually your budget or whatever, film the the get it in the can. And then use that tax credit for post finishing marketing, P&A, whatever you want to do, which is not really the best way to do it, in my opinion. The best way to do it is raise 100% of your funding and use that tax credit to benefit your investors as guaranteed money back, right? Is that
1: right? Exactly. So at least no matter what the investors know, even if this movie bombs, I have this amount that will come from the state in a couple of years. I've only done it in New York. So I don't know how other states work, but. Uh, The only problem with the first way that you said is that you can't, New York, you have to submit your final film before, before you can get the tax. So it doesn't work unless you can, which I've never done. So there's people that can speak to it much stronger than I can, unless you can like sell the credit to someone else and then get the money that way. But, in that case, you're giving them a percentage, so you're not getting the full amount yeah, you get like eighty
0: nine or ninety percent of the credit, but I think that's like more applicable in like Illinois and Kentucky and Georgia. I think you can do that without having to complete the production, but I'm not actually certain about that. I'd have to look
2: it up
1: so anyway, talking tax credits to, <laughs> if you're able to get a hundred percent of your um budget and then use that as a revenue stream that's ideal
0: that's fantastic okay cool so how did you go about making the deal with shutter how did that come about
1: uh so one of our producers andrew vandenhouten was also our sales agent so we uh we were premiered at south by southwest and we played a ton of festivals we worked really hard to get a lot of buzz for the movie and by doing that we we released teaser art even before we shot anything we released teaser art saying this movie is coming um, and then we released a cast announcement and variety ew released the teaser art variety released the cast announcement um, and then we wrote we had our world premiere set for staff by and as we got closer to that we released festival art and we released a trailer so we we did everything we could to get the word out about the movie. So people were aware of the movies to create buzz so that when we did premiere, there would be... Some people
0: there that would be interested, hopefully.
1: Yeah, people would be excited about it. Mm-hmm. They would know about it. We would be one of the movies that they were like, ah, did you see this movie? So that was our goal. I, it seemed to have worked well. Uh, so then out of South by Southwest, our sales agent made the deal with Shutter. So
0: what was your festival strategy? Like that was your marketing strategy kind of leading into South by for the premiere. Did you target South by specifically for any reason?
1: I mean, South by had always been a dream of mine when I worked at Fearnet, I years before I had gone to South by Southwest to like take photos of the red carpets and stuff. And I was just like, this is the best festival ever. I'm having so much fun. I'm so jealous of all these filmmakers. My dream is someday I'll have a movie here, whatever. So, uh, when we got in, when the Ranger got in, I was like ecstatic and it was the best. Um, so
0: did you hold off, I guess, did you hold off to release? Did you go to them first or were you thinking about other festivals? Like, you know, the other tiers like Tribeca or, you know, Toronto, where did you, did you apply to all of those? And you're kind of waiting to see what happened?
1: Yeah. You kind of want to follow the calendar. It kind of depends when your movie is finished and when you're ready to start showing your movie and then you're, you're kind of following the festival calendar. So for us, it made a lot of sense to submit to South by, uh, cause the movie was close to done at that point. So we submitted. And then, um, you know, had the movie been finished in June, we would have been submitting to different festivals. Uh, but most, most people want to like follow the calendar and see what's coming up first.
0: What was the IFP narrative labs fellow? You were a part of that as well, right?
1: Yeah, I was. Um, That was for a movie I produced called Only a Switch. And uh, that it was an amazing experience. I encourage everybody to apply to the narrative labs because, um, so that was, I had, I think I had only shot Most Beautiful Island and maybe Darling at that point, but those movies weren't even done yet. And so we had Only a Switch in those two movies. And I was like, it just teaches you everything about post production through delivery. Every question you could want to know, like how to work with sales agents, how to find a distributor, how to have those conversations with distributors. So, you know, you're choosing the right one. Do your dreams for the movie match up like your expectations for the movie? Like these are all conversations you should have when you're talking to distributors and they're interested in your movie and you're trying to figure out who you should go with. Like do you care more about the finance, like the money that they might pay Or do you care about creative control? Maybe one distributor will give you creative control, but they're not offering an MG, whereas another distributor will give you a good MG, but you have no creative control over the materials. Like these are all questions filmmakers have to ask themselves as they're trying to sell their movie. So, uh, the narrative labs taught us all about all of these things and what to expect and, um, uh, they brought people in to talk to us and it, it was a really lovely experience.
0: Fantastic. So what is, what are you thinking you're going to point to next? Are you still aiming to direct? Is that where you want to stay in that lane now? Cause that's where you wanted to go.
1: Yeah. I just have so much fun directing. I love producing also, but I'm directing is, it just hits a different part of my brain and uh, it's just so joyful. So I, um, for now, I'm I'm focusing on directing.
0: Fantastic. Well, Jen, it's been awesome to talk to you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. Filmmaking is a collaborative experience, and so is this podcast. So be sure to follow us on Instagram for all upcoming episode announcements at Framework Underscore Productions. There. You can also leave your questions and comments for our guests and for any topics you'd like us to cover in the future. Subscribe to Independent Filmmaker's Guide wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a rating and let us know how you like the show with a review. It really is helpful. And if you'd like to read the credits for an episode, call us at 347-871-1559 and leave us your email. Hi, this is Jeremiah Kipp. I'm a horror filmmaker from New York, and I'm reading the credits. IFG is produced by Framework Productions and directed by James Allardyce. It's produced by Matt Mundy, edited by Audrey Ray McHale, and hosted by Stephen Pierce. The music is by Glassboy, and his music can be found on freemusicarchive.org. Thanks for listening.
2: Hey friends, we just wanted to take a quick moment to talk about two personal things. First, we wanted to thank you, our listening community and our wonderful guests, learning so much together along the way and continuing to learn, sharing our stories, making a lot of new friends and collaborating, which is exactly what this is all about, which also brings me to my second point. In great part to many of these new relationships, we wanted to let you know that we've taken a lot of this advice ourselves. And made our own narrative feature film, Herd, H-E-R-D, Herd, which is premiering this October on Friday the 13th in select theaters as well as on VOD. Personally, I think it's the perfect kind of scary movie to watch during our favorite scary season. So we'd love for you to celebrate with us and watch Herd. You can pre-order it on Apple TV and, of course, do the communal thing, see it in theaters. Of course, for all of this, please see our show notes. But basically, we're going to keep it all updated at herd.film. That's her d.f F-I-L-M, herd.film as well. Thank you again. And be sure to give us a rating and a review over on Apple Podcasts so we can continue to build this community and collaborate. IFG, how movies get made.